0: Um, The frustration, the feeling of guilt, the feeling of failure, uh, the thoughts of the constant thoughts of food and body, like we shouldn't be living our lives every minute, every hour thinking about food and body, right? Really a fatigue, you know, irritability. There's a lot of depression, anxiety. I mean, headaches. (laughs) I mean, this is not a way to live. Welcome to the Thoughts from the
1: Couch podcast. I'm anxiety treatment expert and licensed mental health counselor, Justine Carino. I'm here to help you understand the root of your anxiety so you can create new habits that actually stick. Toxic behavior patterns, dysfunctional relationships, and childhood family trauma are all linked to the anxiety you experience. And that's exactly what we dive into on this podcast. Join me as I guide you through flipping the script on your negative thoughts, setting healthy boundaries in your relationships, and cultivating a self-care practice that's as unique as you are. From my couch to yours, let's create your path to peace. Hello, lovely souls. I hope you're enjoying your day. Welcome to another episode of the Thoughts from the Couch podcast, where we dive into all things related to anxiety, mental health, and relationships. We are here today to talk all about disordered eating patterns. I made a friend named Lauren, Lauren Dorman, in a women's entrepreneurial networking group, and Lauren is here to talk all about disordered eating patterns. Now I can tell you, I'm not trained in treating eating disorders and I refer out when I come upon this in my practice because that training is really specialized and you collaborate with a lot of registered dietitians and primary care physicians and other providers and that's just not my niche. But I can tell you that I work with a ton of human beings that struggle with body image issues regularly and they struggle with what we call disordered eating patterns. And I can also tell you, I see a lot of people in my personal life struggle with this. You you know, listening to this episode, you guys will probably be like, oh, yep, I know a person that's struggling with that. Or maybe it's you. Maybe this is the episode that teaches you that you're struggling with disordered eating. So if you stay tuned, you will hear me and Lauren, who is a nutrition therapist and registered dietitian, talk all about this. Lauren has 20 years of experience with helping chronic dieters and individuals struggling with disordered eating habits. She works on a self-care behavioral approach to healing one's relationship with food, body, mind, and themselves. She is going to tell you about her signs that you could be struggling with a disordered eating problem, pattern, behavior, I don't know what the right way to say it is, and tell you how you could start to work on this and start to correct it. So let's get into this episode so you can learn from Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your career?
0: Sure. So um, uh, my name is Lauren Dorman. I am a dietitian for 20 years now. So um, it's kind of a special year for me. How I started to how I ended now is very different. And I think that's common for a lot of people that you know go through their career and make changes. But um, I started as a registered dietitian inpatient in a hospital. And then um, I learned about um, nutrition therapy for oncology and heart disease and diabetes. And I really liked the aspects of diabetes management. So I went on to specialize in diabetes and got my certified diabetes educator about 15 years ago. So I worked a lot with women with gestational diabetes and adults with diabetes and children with insulin pumps. And then probably a little bit before the pandemic, I started to have an interest in disordered eating and eating disorders. And I started to see um, then definitely through the pandemic that the rates had increased and that there was such a need for more dietitians in this field to help more Uh, that were struggling. So um, for the past four years, I've been focusing on chronic dieters and eating disorders and body image healing. I also help a lot of people that have diabetes that don't want to feel restrictive either. So they come to me and they're like, but I thought that I was supposed to restrict this and stop this and eat this way. And I teach them this whole new way of approaching food. um, And they also improve their blood sugars. So it's a beautiful thing to see that they feel at peace with food and their health is improving.
1: I mean, congratulations on 20 years. Thank you. That's incredible. Yeah. And as you're talking, like I can't help but think about how needed you are, right? So I don't specialize in eating disorders. I always refer out for colleagues that that's their training, that's their specialty. They work with a team of doctors and dietitians, right? Mm-hmm. But I have so many um, women that talk to me about some of these rules they make up in their head about Mm -hmm. food. Like I ate this for lunch, so I can't eat that for dinner. And I'm like, where did you get this rule from? And they don't really know. They kind of, like, we don't know much about nutrition. Mm -hmm. And when when someone's trying to lose weight and we're going to get into all this with disordered eating, Mm -hmm. I see a lot of women that look like they have disordered eating habits and they make up rules. I'm like you, you've literally have made this rule up in your head. You need to speak with a professional mm-hmm. that can guide you about like nutrition and facts mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. our body is doing inside. We don't know that.
0: We we don't get taught the right things. No, I actually I put up a post I think a week or two ago on this and it was an inspired it was inspired by another dietitian and she allowed me to recreate it when we need our toilet fixed in our home, we're going to call a plumber. When we need to get our hair colored or haircut, we go to a hairdresser. When we need to go to the, when we don't feel good, we go to the doctor. Um, you know, the, even like the dentist and the eye doctor, right? My wish is a world where twice a year, every human was able to see a registered dietitian, that it was just like Th- that would actually prevent a lot of these issues. And I think that it would teach people about diet culture and about the harm out there that that's not the truth. And the truth is the science and the research behind nutrition, which a registered dietitian can teach you is needed by everyone. Um, you know, sometimes parents reach out to me about their concern for their teenage uh, child. And they'll say to me, well, my daughter thinks I'm overreacting. And, you know, and I said, there's one thing that you can do is you can tell your daughter that every person would benefit from talking to me. It's not about, you know, it's just about understanding what health is, what nutrition is, what a good relationship with food and body is. So again, the population could just benefit from that. The strategies and the tools and the knowledge that I can provide them with.
1: Yes, yes. It's it's the science, right? We don't know mm-hmm. the science behind food the way mm-hmm. we do. And I'm like thinking growing up, we go to health class and we get those five food groups. Who even knows mm-hmm. if that's relevant now? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is it miseducation? But then there's never like a tune-up, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel totally in agreement with you. Like, we need a tune-up about our, our relationship with food throughout our lives. And there's so much on social media that we're being sold that mm-hmm. isn't really coming from the people that are trained in the science of this all.
0: Exactly. So that's why I'm here to here you are make people yeah just make people feel uh, more at peace and more educated and knowledgeable and um, just feel better and feel more energy and uh, less irritable and and you know all these basic things that can there there's side effects of inadequate nutrition, inadequate intake, inadequate variety, you know, all these things that um, are sold like a perfect way of eating. And, and there is no perfect way of eating. If that's one message that really should come across this podcast is that's not, there's no perfect way of eating. <laughs> and it can be messy and it could be beautiful and it could be um, colorful, but we don't want an all or nothing or a black or white thinking when it comes to food, we want to have a variety over time. Something that I like to teach—I um, don't know how many dietitians teach this—but I just I like saying that you know you have all of these opportunities over months and and um, years to eat. Correct, right? We have this relationship with food, and you know, just speaking about a month, if you were to eat, you know, five times a day, you know, so. 160 times in a month you're you're eating out of those that whole way of eating like are you eating nutrient dense some of it and not so nutrient dense some of it yes but let's focus on that just variety over time and not the day-to-day yes no that because that's a lot of opportunities
1: to eat right Mm -hmm. and we some do you feel like people sometimes hyper focus on each and every meal instead of the big picture Oh
0: for sure. Yeah. 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 And say things well we're going to get into some things but you know um, people will say I'll be better tomorrow mm-hmm. and um, I I shouldn't have dessert for the next few days or and food is uh, really a basic physiological need in our lives. So training someone's brain to get rewired after you know being wired in this society that we need to be hyper focused on those calories and food and weight gain and all of this, like our our system is just wired to be to think think in that way, yeah. so I have to now rewire it an opposite way, right that calories are a great thing, they give your body energy, they give your body nourishment, they make you feel good. Um, let's stop looking at the cal let's stop looking at the labels for those things, but we're taught that, so it's hard, yes.
1: right. It's so much rewiring. It's like the same thing I do about like with anxiety and depression. Like we have to rewire our brain to have new beliefs around our mindset. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same thing. Our beliefs uh-huh. around food.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm crea- I'm creating a different set, a new set of belief systems. Um, and I'm rewiring your brain to really reframe everything that you've been taught. Yeah. And I do a lot of questions, a lot of where did you hear that? why do you think that, you know, um, it's important to understand the, the, the where and the why, because, you know, as you know, this, Justine, your thoughts are not facts. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you can now build this whole new reframe and then all these different thoughts and beliefs come into your life around food and body. And it of course takes time. And of course, lots of patience, but with the right guidance and the right framework, Um, you can feel so much better.
1: Totally. So let's get into this, right? So how would Mm -hmm. you define the difference between disordered eating habits Mm -hmm. and
0: an eating disorder? Okay. So disordered eating is really a descriptive uh, phrase and uh, an eating disorder is more of a, is a is a diagnosis. So disordered eating is a range of irregular eating behaviors or habits um, that may or may not warrant a diagnosis. So I want you to think about this. How many diets are out there? So many. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a diet is disordered eating. Mm. So it starts, there's a spectrum that starts with the diet and ends with an eating disorder. So, okay. one out of every four dieters will go on to develop an eating disorder.
1: Wow. One out of every four dieters will develop an
0: eating disorder. That's what the research shows. Wow. And how does it come about? What goes and, on? Well, <laughs> when it basically a diet never ends, mm. and there's constant thoughts about food and body, and, you, and, and it's never, nothing is ever good enough. There you go. the The weight is never good enough. the The body, the the food, um, there's also there's could also be a fear of, well, this is my body now. I don't want it to change. I don't want it to go back to what it was. So, um, it's a diet that never ends. And uh, diets usually do end because they were meant to fail the person, but the person thinks that they failed the diet, which what we're going to talk about a little bit too.
1: Fascinating,
0: um, but. Um, I want to go back to the um, eating disorder versus um, disordered eating. So um, the symptoms and experiences uh, have to align with the definition in the American Psychiatric uh, Association. um, There has to be a clear diagnosis for the eating disorder, like binge eating disorder, anorexia, and uh, bulimia. However, (laughs) eating concerns that fall short of the diagnosis still deserve so much attention and um, treatment. So just because you are not diagnosed, um, if you have the behaviors and feelings around food and body that we're going to discuss, you definitely deserve treatment. But yeah, um, you know, dieting is a problem. It's normalized in our society. Another statistic is that 75% of women between the ages of 25 and 65 have disordered eating.
1: How? 25%.
0: 75. Oh, 75. I thought
1: you said That is insane to me. 75% of women between 25 and 65 have disordered eating. I believe that.
0: Yeah, I believe it because it's just normalized. There's this wellness culture, you know, entrapped in the dieting culture. And again, if you're not seeking or seeing a registered dietitian, right. The professional, you're learning all of these, um, all of this information that's not true and could be damaging for health on the social media or magazines through friends, through family. And um, it's, normalized but it's not normal Is what i like to tell people yeah
1: well i think people also pick and choose probably like they read something in a magazine like oh that makes sense and then they take something from social media and then they follow this person and before you know it they have a set of rules in their head that they're following thinking all this is important but they're not talking to the professional who knows the science behind it and so they're really harming
0: themselves Mm -hmm. And again, it's the belief system, and and they think that this is the truth, and they, this is what they need to do. But when you really think about, well, when you work with a professional, and you learn that your body, all it wants is to be well fed and nourished throughout the day. So when you again, like that, ba- like, remember, before I talked about that baseline physiological need that we need, water, food, shelter, sleep, You know, we need these basic things in our life and we can't micromanage and count our macros and calories and try to kind of distort the way that um, what our bodies really want. They want to be well fed and nourished throughout the day. They don't want to be intermittent fasting. They don't want to be keto. They don't want to be Weight Watchers, um, you know, and if these things work for perhaps one to five percent of the population, the unicorns out there, and they don't feel any mental or physical, emotional side effect from being on that diet. Okay, I mean that. But again, we're, we have this society that is ninety-eight percent failure, only two percent uh, success. If they even want to call it a success, uh, you know, we can't really define that. But with with the weight loss, because people could lose weight. And still have incredible physical and mental health, ill ill health from the weight Mm, loss. Yes. So it's it's damaging for many. So I I like to tell people also that if you go to a doctor and the doctor promotes weight loss and not behavior changes, the reality and the science shows that the yo-yo dieting effect will happen, right? And someone will try to lose weight, but then gain back more in the future. So it's something called an increase in your set weight point over time from the restriction Mm. binge cycle. So just being intuitive with food the way we were born is really the best approach to your health. But there's a framework to that, and there's learning with that. You can't just say... Oh, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna learn how to do that. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. There's probably so much that goes into it, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh,
1: I want to know every detail of what that is mm-hmm. from you. But I want to. I want to <laughs> focus
0: on this. Maybe
1: that's another conversation. But yeah, how do you think disordered eating impacts a person's mental health from your perspective mm-hmm. as a dietitian?
0: So the biggest thing I would say, the struggle that that women, I always like to say, well, why did you reach out to me? What really made you want to sign up and get help? Um, The frustration, the feeling of guilt, the feeling of failure, uh, the thoughts of, the constant thoughts of food and body, like we shouldn't be living our lives every minute, every hour thinking about food and body, right? Really a fatigue, you know, irritability. There's a lot of depression, anxiety, I mean headaches. <laughs> I mean this is not a way to live. Yeah. And if you're on a diet right now and you were you didn't realize cuz I've had clients tell me this too like I didn't know that my inadequate intake was affecting my mental health. There's a lot of people that will tell me that. So that's important for people to understand that. Completely. When you're <laughs> when you get your body well nourished Um, you really do feel better, have less anxiety, have less headaches, have less of these side effects that, that occur, but really your brain space taking up so much time thinking of food and body is probably the number one, uh, sign. Um, another important thing is that, that brain space taking up food and body could happen in any body size. So we don't want to, there's no look to a disordered eating. You know, and only six percent of, of eating disorders are underweight. So ninety-four percent of people that have eating disorders right now are not underweight. So please yeah. <laughs> take a note for that because when you complement weight loss, that could could cause disordered eating or an eating disorder.
1: I feel like so many things I'm thinking. One is girls like college girls, high school girls, twenty something any at any age it's a compliment to be like, Oh my God, you look so skinny. Like you look mm-hmm. so good. You lost so much weight and people glow. They love mm-hmm. that. And then B the preoccupation with body and new and food intake is what I see. Right. So mm-hmm. from like the therapist point of view, it's, people become so preoccupied and it takes up so much space as you're saying, Mm -hmm. like I have to think about what I'm eating every meal. And I have this guilt if I eat a certain food group Mm -hmm. or, you know, consume a little too much or have dessert, like there's so much guilt that people Mm -hmm. then punish them for with the restriction. Mm -hmm. And then they have the binge and then there's the guilt, the other side of the guilt of the eating too much again. And it's such, it's such an unhealthy cycle.
0: It sure is. and then once sure you're it takes it takes time, but you you can get out of that cycle. A lot of the cycle is for some people, it's a coping mechanism in their life. you know, um they're they're feeling uncomfortable in their body and then they're coping in a way uh, of restriction or binge or or however, um, not a good behavior with with food. And the person has to, you know be the one to to decide it's a lot of people that won't seek help because they're just comfortable in their in their ways of right, not yes. wanting to get outside that comfort zone of maybe they do feel that it's hard work and or or that they'll be judged or that they have to meet goals and you know there there's no I see people I hear people there's no judgment everything is based on intentions and and just really just a lot of eye opening uh, moments for a mm-hmm. lot of people and um, there's no rush. It's a journey. It's an experience. It's just life. Yes. <laughs> so that's unlike a lot of things out there. Correct. Like all these other programs out there are, are very, very different than the experience you will have with me.
1: Yeah. Totally. Or with
0: registered dietitians in general.
1: Hey, did you know that there are five different types of people pleasers? Throughout my over 10 years of experience as a licensed mental health counselor, I have noticed five different types of people pleasing archetypes based on how you were raised, your life experiences, your early childhood relationships, and trauma. I've created a very simple two minute quiz to help you discover which type of people pleaser you are and you can get custom feedback within a minute so you can start implementing real changes in your relationships and in your life to reduce your anxiety and people-pleasing tendencies today. Go check it out. You can find the link in my show notes. Now let's get back to the show. So let's go into it. You know, we were talking at one point about these signs that you observe Mm -hmm. in people that are, you know, victims of disordered eating. So let's get into this because I'm dying to hear these signs. I think it will help me so much with some of the clients I work with. Um, So what's the first sign that Mm -hmm. someone is experiencing disordered eating?
0: Sure. So we did, we did bring it up before. Um, We'll go a little bit into it, but the constant thoughts about food. Now, when you have constant thoughts about food, it actually means that your body's hungry, and that, that's re- like duh, right? Yeah. <laughs> not well, yeah. Not at first, people are like, "Really? Like, I'm I'm hungry. I didn't think I was hungry. I didn't feel hungry." Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah, and there's studies and research that shows like your brain is is like, where when am I getting my next meal? You didn't feed me enough, or you didn't feed me at all. Yeah. So you shouldn't have a normal relationship with food a healthy relationship you're not always thinking about your next meal your your next snack you're thinking about or, or you're feeling cravings a lot you know I mean this is that's not normal a normal body that gets a variety of food and is well nourished isn't going to be constantly thinking about food so that's a really an eye-opening one like wow, I'm hungry, but I didn't feel hungry. But yeah, it's been how many hours since you ate or you didn't eat? Your body is hungry.
1: Well, that's a question I have for you because I have a lot of people say that to me. Like, well, I don't get an appetite until like five hours into my day, but I'm thinking about my food. What What's that about? Why don't they have yeah. the appetite?
0: Because that's actually part of um, one of Another. the top t- I-, I could go into it next. So it's- Perfect. You, can't, you cannot connect- to your hunger or fullness signals that your body sends you. So you may not even feel hungry because your body does not trust that you feed it. Wow. Yeah, that's so that could be the next one that we we talk about now. So yes, um, let's hear that. Oh, I'm not hungry. So why am I gonna eat breakfast if I'm not hungry? Well, if you start eating something in the morning, right, consistently over the next few weeks ahead. Your body will send you that hunger signal eventually. There's so many people I work with and I'm like, I want to check in with them three weeks later. And they're like, "Yep, I'm feeling that little bit of hunger in the morning now. And that hunger is health. That hunger is a great physiology. That hunger is your body trusting you again. So we have something called intermittent fasting out there that is harmful, according to many registered dietitians. And that is not health and that will backfire for 95% of people wow. um yeah it's it's it breaks my heart that there's that angers so me. side effects
1: it's always on my algorithm i must have clicked it once mm-hmm. on instagram and every night when i'm like scrolling i get another ad for intermittent fasting but then i also like follow some influencers that aren't talking about clothing, right? But then they mix in their own personal tips for why they look as beautiful as Mm -hmm. they do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I do intermittent fasting. I'm like, dude, you're not a registered dietitian. You're Mm -hmm. selling me your clothing and your body looks awesome. But now I'm believing that I should do intermittent fasting to look as beautiful as you Mm -hmm. in these clothes. And, you know, we all go through this process. Yeah.
0: And intermittent fasting is part of diet culture. They're making money off of our insecurities. Um, Yep you know, and it's not health. No. So uh, but again, a person's thought, they think that it's true, and they try and they try and then they feel like guilty. And then they might binge because their body didn't get enough, which we're going to talk about a little bit too. Um, so if somebody tells you, but I'm not hungry, you, Justine, you can now explain to them this whole process. And I i actually say, respect that your body needs nourishment regardless of your hunger level. And also take a minute and think, am I irritable? Am I tired? Am I having thoughts of food? Do I have a headache? What are what are other signs going on right now? It's been about four hours since I've eaten. Maybe they're, they are not feeling the physical sensation of hunger because anxiety also can, and, and depression, can kind of mask that physical sensation of hunger. That loss so, of appetite. Yeah. So if if they can think a little bit more, like be more mindful and self-aware about, oh, I do have a little bit of a headache starting, or oh, I'm kind of thinking about, like, I'm I'm kind of craving something. Their body is giving them hunger a signal in another way.
1: Fascinating. So you're saying if someone argues, well, I don't feel hungry. I I don't have much of an appetite. That's the body no longer trusting them to feed them. They kind the mm-hmm. body kind of gave up.
0: Yeah. Wow, I, I know, and and then when you do feed your body regularly, at least every three to four or five hours throughout the day, um, and you you're eating a minimum times a day, you know, four to six times throughout the day, your body will will have a sensation of of hunger, yeah, and you'll and and they'll learn, um. You know, do sometimes people eat, you know, a heavy meal and feel pretty full and stuffed after, and maybe that they won't feel hunger for another five, six hours, perhaps. And that's where intuitive eating comes in. And I say, okay, so think about that meal. Do you think you would have felt physically better if you had eaten something less uh, amount off of that plate? And they're like, yeah, I wouldn't have felt as uncomfortable. But I say, but that's okay. You were at a celebration or you were, you know, wherever you were, or you were just at your house and you were enjoying your your dinner. Um, It happens from time to time, but you then begin to learn like, ah, so real health is feeling hunger every two, three, four hours. And if you don't feel it and you think back to your other meal or your other snack and you did kind of feel uncomfortably full after it. Which could happen if you were if you if you restricted right and then you were all of a sudden you 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 were your body wants foods. So if you restricted and you think that, oh, I didn't have the motivation or I didn't have the discipline. No, your body needed that food needed that amount of food to feel To function, (laughs) to function, to carry on the
1: day. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Lauren. That makes so much sense. All right, so we we've gotten to about two of them. What's another myth?
0: Okay, so we could talk about yeah. So going to bed and telling yourself I'm going to be good tomorrow, and or I'll be better on Monday, or that you have um, cheat weekends or or cheat meals and things like that. Um, That's not health. You should be able to have a variety and whatever you want to enjoy during the week as well. Yes. So that's a big one. And then if somebody says, like, what's your favorite food? And you say, oh, all the bad ones. And you, you, you're you using food as as a moral value. So you're feeling bad about yourself because you chose a cookie over a fruit salad or you chose a burger over you know, salmon and broccoli, and you're feeling like I'm bad. So uh, you can take a step back and you can say, I'm not bad. I'm a human being choosing a burger. I'm a human being choosing a cookie. And that's what I'm in the mood for. And over time, you make choices of both. Sometimes you're in the mood for salmon and broccoli and sweet potatoes. And sometimes you're in the mood for a burger and fries. And that is that is health.
1: (laughs) That is not always
0: not always choosing the nutrient dense food, but choosing a variety of it and not saying I am a bad person because I chose this food.
1: So the shame that follows people start Mm -hmm. to feel shame because of what they're eating. I'm so ashamed. I'm such a bad person because I eat these, quote unquote, bad foods, which Mm -hmm. is also that like all or nothing thinking like these foods are the good foods and these foods Mm -hmm. are the bad foods.
0: Yeah, and what society really teaches us, right? Like how many times have people heard stay away from chips and and cookies and cake and you know, I mean that probably is is by family, by friends, by social media, right? It's all over like
1: And we do it to our kids. Like as you're talking, I'm thinking about how I talk to my kids. Like you already had so many sweets, that's not good for you, right? Mm-hmm. Like we We don't know what we're talking about trying to talk about. So I, I do fam,
0: I, right. And I do family uh, nutrition sessions where we learn the right language around food. So like an example would be like, you know, you can have the thought of, wow, my kids had a lot of sweets. It's really bad. Like you can have that thought just based on our wiring, but then you could take a step back and say, Hey, These are the choices that we're having right now. We're having, you know, and you can choose some nutrient dense foods, and you could say, we'll have that tomorrow, or we'll have that so that you're not putting a moral value, but you as the parent are deciding like that you felt that they had too much of sweets or sugar. Mm -hmm. And now, but you're not saying, you've had enough junk. That's bad for you. Uh, Let's eat healthy. Like there's different language that you Mm. can use you know, because your child also won't feel so great if they, it all comes yeah. down to that too. So you could say like, um, let's choose foods that are going to make us feel a little bit better for the rest of the night and we'll have that food tomorrow. So like, you're still, you're not saying cause that some children might say like, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to have those again because the way that my parents, parents anxiety about food, right. Yeah. Um, can definitely lead to the child's anxiety or, or even the child's. Now preoccupation with that food and the food now glitters and sparkles to them more.
1: So true. So I like the language you use. Like this is the choice on the menu tonight, something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. We can also, have that you, tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I've also had a lot of parents because um, I work with both children and adults, and I've had parents like basically just put out snack plates, not ask their child what do you want to eat, but they put out what they want to provide them with.
1: And it's up to the kid to decide whether or not mm-hmm. they want to like eat it. Like
0: three or four different choices on there. Yeah, it's a great idea.
1: I love that. So it's all there and available to them.
0: Yeah. So that was Ooh, the food you. morality. Yeah. You're <laughs> welcome. I, I'll definitely send you some. Like I could send you my workshop on. Yeah. Uh, it's um titled, um redefining the next generation's approach to health.
1: I love that. I want to participate. Yeah.
0: Yep. Give me the info. It. I will. All right. What else do you have here for us, Lauren? Okay so i guess this is kind of part of what we just talked about we're worried that a bite of a favorite food is going to turn into a binge so mm. you you have this like physical or mental restriction right uh about that specific food and your thoughts are i'm bad and i shouldn't and or or i should be doing this and then um you feel that you, you feel this like loss of control around food, or you feel that you're food addicted. But what I like to tell many people is, would you be addicted to, um, you know, air? (laughs) Would you be addicted to, you know, because it's like physiological need, right? If you are underwater, and you come up out of the out of water, and your breathing, right, is really, really heavy. You're not addicted to air, right? This is from, from Evelyn Triboli who wrote Intuitive Eating. She used that analogy. You're not addicted to air, right? So you are – if you could be surrounded by food, variety of food, nutrient, non-nutrient dense, and you be able to make that decision about what am I in the mood for, what sounds good, what amount is going to feel good in my body, what amount's going to feel satisfying – there's so many people that think they're addicted and they're not at all. They're just have the restriction mentality.
1: It's a, it's a rule that they make, right? They, mm-hmm. They're restricting the rules are, mm-hmm. and the rules are messed up for them. And then another one would
0: be your mood influences how you feel, um, is influenced by, by how you feel about your body. So you're just in a horrible anxious, upset, depressed mood because you got on the scale that day or because you looked at your body and you felt a certain way about your body image or because you felt that you didn't eat the right way. You're just in such a bad mood. And that is not a way to live your life. No. No. Because your body deserves respect and food deserves to be more neutral. And you know, um, that would definitely be a sign that is experienced by many.
1: Yeah. Your mood is dependent on the body image. Mm -hmm. That's a big one that I am just focusing on right now because I feel like it's really relatable. And a lot of people listening are like, oh, wow, like that could be me. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think like a light bulb might go off for some Mm -hmm. people because people, I see it in my practice. I see it with people in my life, right? Mm-hmm. That you could see a change in mood or they they talk about it, it consumes them. Like I'm in just such a bad mood the rest of the week cuz I saw a number on the scale I didn't like. Mm-hmm. And that is upsetting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 70% of body weight is genetic. So we are lied to about how much control we have over our body size. 70% is genetic? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So there are, you know, there's some families that are average, larger, extra large, some families that are small, extra small. I mean, whatever size bodies, we need to really be able to respect that just the way that we respect height and skin color and shoe size and eye color, you know, just like the basic genetic traits. But of course, there's a diet culture. So no one just looks at everyone's weight and says, oh, that's a beautiful, you know, people, that's not the way the world is right now. Maybe- In the future i I wish but um i think it is changing little by little so and i'm also
1: thinking if 70 percent is genetic that's a lot out of someone's control about Mm -hmm. their body type and the more people feel out of control the more they try to control and then Mm -hmm. people try to control it with the food and then Mm -hmm. that leads to these cycles of disordered Mm -hmm. eating
0: so it's like some people are just chasing this body that They'll never have their body does not want to be that way. Their body wants to be where it is or wherever it's going to go in a process of healing, you know, now, but yeah, it's, that's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. And then we did talk about the next one is definitely the rules around the food, right? So I should, or I shouldn't, or I can't eat late at night or I can't eat in the morning. And I, I, I already had two slices of bread, so now I can't have carbs, you know, and, and those are all just made up rules from different plans that are out there, right? All yeah. the different I mean, I'm not gonna get into the specific ones, but anything that's promoting weight loss is is diet culture. So yes. I, I don't focus on weight loss, I focus on habits and behavior changes and emotions and thoughts and feelings around food. So it's really important I was just gonna you
1: answered my question because I was like, okay, if it's not a focus on weight loss, what is the focus? So the focus mm-hmm. is habits and behavior change around food for
0: sure and wherever a person's body goes in the process of that is where it goes whether you lose maintain or gain and we don't know we don't know where your body wants to go but what we do know is you will feel better and you will be healthier Mm -hmm. and your blood work will improve and you'll be in a better place mentally and physically Yeah, yeah and that's what we really want
1: what are your thoughts on like people changing their diets drastically to like fix or help a medical condition. Like I'm thinking of like celiacs, right? They can't eat Mm -hmm. gluten. So Mm -hmm. yes, they have to avoid that. Or like diabetics, they have to change some Mm -hmm. of their diets too. Like, so I have Hashimoto's, which is Mm -hmm. um, an autoimmune disorder attack. my, My thyroid attacks itself, blah, blah, blah. And I came across the book that was like, you can reverse this and correct it by doing this three month program. And it's so highly Restrictive, mm-hmm. and I'm like, ah, I don't even want to do that. This is like, no, no, thank you. But then I'm like, whoa, what if it reverses my Hashimoto's and I no longer have this autoimmune disorder. So, what are your thoughts on food mm-hmm. and the relationship to, um, medical, Me- medically?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, you would still need to medically, like, just like if you have an allergy, you know, you'd have to restrict that food. If you have diabetes, there's a different approach to food, but there's really no restrictions. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's some medically, medical issues that require you to modify your diet in a way to make you feel good, right? So if you, let's say, um, Justine, you like read that book, and you were not feeling good, because you were feeling stressed, and you were feeling tired, and you're, or I don't know, or you were feeling overwhelmed by that's not health then. So there has to be an intuitive approach along with, um, a medical, uh, and, and the word, the word diet though, means a way of eating. So if I Mm. say the word diet, it really isn't diets. Mm. So, um, if you have to had to diet for the medical treatment, it would have to be in a way that you still had variety and you still felt at peace and you still felt good. And there Got is a it. way to definitely do that with, with all medical uh, diets. Yeah.
1: Totally. Okay. Now that's helpful. Yeah. I'm yeah. selfishly using you right now to
0: help me with my personal Right. Questions. I mean, do you think that reading that book and trying to do all those restrictions um, felt good to you? Like that would be like a question or like right. felt
1: or does calming
0: it like or like,
1: Yeah yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. again,
0: it's the, that those are all part of diet culture. um if you were if you did that and you had no side effects that we talked about today, then it would work for you. yeah, if it fell for, in line with that yes for most people, I don't think it would
1: wouldn't yeah, wouldn't be the best approach
0: it would so, cause anxiety and stress for a lot of people
1: just to think I mean in this book, it's highly highly restrictive. I'm like, oh yeah. my God, like how does one
0: survive getting through a week of that? Yeah. So yeah, off I, the bat. I think some of those things also cause binge eating because mm-hmm. you're, you haven't had these foods that, that you used to have and you have that mental and physical restriction. And then all of a sudden, when you get a hold of it, you have an amount that doesn't feel good because you know that you shouldn't or can't have that.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And then you give in.
0: Um, did we hit all your signs of disordered eating? Are we missing any? Well, the, the one – other one was that we're missing out on some social events, and we're not being spontaneous. And that social event is more important for your health than the way that, you know, um, there. there's studies done that show like, if you're sitting home eating a nutrient dense food, it's better to be out with your friends socializing, having less nutrient dense food for your health. And there's not enough of that right out there that shows, oh, my gosh, like social connections are such an important part of our health. And that's not going to be In your plan that you go to right right this is
1: so real because i have had women say that like i i decided not to go to the birthday brunch for my friend because i've been on such a strict diet and i knew i would cheat and that would feel uncomfortable so i sacrificed you know and it's good that i have so much work to do because i get out of the social drinking on the weekends right so i've had college students say that those exact words to me, like they they miss out on the social events, but they feel like it's validated because they stick to the quote unquote diet, which is so sad.
0: Yeah. The social connection is more important than their food intake. And yes. when they are intuitive, they will eat in a way that feels good and that they're satisfied and they can walk away and, you know, feel great and have a great social event. So Um, yeah, my heart breaks for people that miss out on things like that because of food. Um, we talked about the guilty feeling. We talked about the rules. Um, yeah, some people do try to make up for food with over-exercising or Mm. skipping the next meal or the next day they eat less. Um, and that, that's not health.
1: The overcompensating for Yeah. These are so helpful. And I think unfortunately extremely common and i know listeners are probably at least raising their hand for one of them
0: Mm -hmm. and that's okay all of these Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so then what do we do like let's say we're a listener and we're like wow this is me hello Mm -hmm. i have some disordered Mm -hmm. eating habits what do they do from here Mm
0: -hmm. well the first step or the first thing that is just um kind of compassion for themselves like understanding like okay, like there's nothing wrong with me, The society and culture led me to do all of these things. Society and culture led me to feel the- this way, that all the things that Lauren's talking about. And I don't need to be fixed. Society needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And I just need to understand how to have a better relationship with food in my body little by little. Um, they can start by reading the book, Intuitive Eating, that would be a great place. Um, I mean, if any of your listeners want, I do provide a free guide on 10 intentions for health and it's like nice and simple. And, um, I mean, if you wanted to link that or to the podcast, I would, I would love to have your listeners just, you know, have a little basic guide on that. Um, but they really have to think about, do I want help? Is this really affecting my day-to-day life? Am I, do I feel, is my mood affected? Am I irritable, fatigued, um, headaches? Am I giving up, you know, some joy with friends or family because of this? And um, they need to think about what kind of life they want to live moving forward around food and body and um, how, if they continue in this route, How is it going to harm them mentally and physically? Um, But they, everybody has to understand that it's normalized, but not normal to struggle with food and body for most days.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: um, So again, that compassion piece, but you want, you want a better way of living this life, you know?
1: I no. mean, it's so exhausting to be yeah, it is. attached to this, to these rules and these thoughts and preoccupation with this. It's tiring and it's not really living your best mm-hmm. life. At it's all. not.
0: Mm-mm. I mean, yeah. and like the, the things that clients say to me, you know, like I finally know, you know, how to eat a variety of food and what meals and snacks are supposed to, um, look like. And that might include things that they would have never put together before for themselves. Like they might've never had a, uh, let's say like a salad with chickpeas and grilled chicken and then had like chips or cookie on the side and said like, this is normal eating. I'm having You know, or some chocolate on the side and, like, not thinking that they're bad and that that was their meal and they moved on. And how some women say, like, oh, I have all of these chips in my house now and I don't even, like, care about them as much because of the work that's done to habituate the food so that it's not so special or powerful anymore. Mm,
1: That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: But the best is just, feel. you know, people just feel more at peace and – in with food and they just feel um that they don't have a constant thoughts anymore um and they're enjoying their life more with friends and family and they're actually feeling more relaxed and calm around their family and, and kids and yeah so that's those are huge so you're saying it's possible like i imagine people listening being like wow i could really
1: live a life where i'm not consumed with these thoughts and feelings of guilt around food i can be more present and you're saying yeah yeah you can for it's sure possible hmm This is amazing. So, you know, last question for you before we wrap up, what does it look like to work with a dietitian for people that have never done it before? Like, what do they expect? How do you help them with these types of struggles?
0: Sure. Um, so I actually have, I knew you were going to ask me this, but my nutrition myth busting little basket. So love that. The first thing we do is we have to bust all of these myths, fasting is healthy for your body myth ignore your hunger myth you should <laughs> not you should not eat late at night myth right myth. so we're we're when you work with me we have to begin to rewire that brain to approach health in a very flexible non-rigid way that feels good to you and yes i do show you visuals of meals and snacks and ideas to put together but Ultimately, it's up to you how you want to put those together based on your own preferences, right? So would someone that's not a registered dietitian, that's maybe a nutritionist, because anybody can actually call themselves a nutritionist. That's an important thing too. Fun fact. Yes. And a lot of people don't know that. They're like, Lauren, you need to tell more people that a registered dietitian is who you need to go to, not a nutritionist. And I said, I know. Um, Um, But yeah, so a nutritionist could just say, okay, this is your plan. And you're going to follow it. But what if you don't like the food on there? What if it's not satisfying or delicious or it's not something that you are in the mood for that day? Yeah. You know, so again, like I kind of work with people to understand their likes and dislikes um, on food. And yeah, I mean, I. I just love providing them with really easy, simple, put together recipes for meals and snacks because a lot of people don't have time to do more than five or 10 minutes of putting things together in the world we live in today. A lot of working with me too is um, talking about nervous system regulation and Mm self-awareness and um, self-respect, self-compassion. But um, that's a big piece that Is missing in any diet plan there's no talk about how are you feeling what do you need are you feeling hungry are you feeling uh anxious or bored and that's why you're going for the food you know so that I do a lot of that because people are like wow I'm so much more self-aware and mindful now than I ever was around food and my body
1: well, you sound and, so much more supportive than like these rigid diets that are like no. you do it or you don't. And if you don't have results because you didn't follow a diet, right? You, no. you check in on the human being that's yeah. doing this.
0: But again, that diet plan was created to fail the person so they get more customers. <laughs> so because the biology can't follow a plan wow, for long term. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I haven't. I wrote an article that, you know, you never fail the diet. So
1: you never fail the diet.
0: No, that plan was created so that you could be could fail and that you could be a repeat customer.
1: And make the it's the money. It's the,
0: yeah, it's the one thing in life that people do that they blame themselves, not yeah. the actual product because it's easy to blame yourself because it's something that you're using to manipulate your body. So you're blaming yourself. But, you know, if we bought a clock and the clock broke, we wouldn't be like, oh, <laughs> that's my fault for that <laughs> clock breaking You know, but now you can, you know, now that you heard this podcast, you can say, oh, my gosh, like it was the diets all along. Like it was never me. I was always good. And I always, you know, it was my body that was trying to work for me and didn't want to feel like it was on a desert starving all this time. Yeah.
1: Yes. You're not supposed to feel like you're on a desert starving. And so Mm -hmm. many people
0: tolerate that for an outcome Mm -hmm. that doesn't Mm -hmm.
1: work long term. Not long term. Mm -mm. Not long term. Lauren, this is so, so amazing. And I just love the way you talk about this. It's so easy and simple and makes Mm -hmm. people understand. Um, How can
0: people find you and reach out to you? Sure. So I am don't diet dietitian on Instagram. And if you're on Facebook, I am stop with the uh, stop sign in red dieting. Uh, on Facebook and then don't diet dietitian on Instagram. And um, yeah, I'd be happy to provide the 10 simple, uh, you know, strategies for, for health, for, for many of your listeners. Um, I'd love that.
1: I'll make sure that's linked in the show notes of this episode for people to go get.
0: Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you for having me. This is a pleasure. Wow.
1: I learned an enormous amount from Lauren today. I'm sure you did too. Please share this episode with someone that needs to hear it. It's pretty eye-opening. So I really, it's unbelievable how we normalize so many dysfunctional things in our lives. And food and our relationship with food is just one of the many things we do this with. So if you enjoyed this episode, you may also want to listen to episode number 12. 12 episode 12. Wow, that's a throwback. We're going back in time. This is episode 60. But that episode is called Debunking Diet Myths and Body Love with dietitian Elise Shapiro. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please leave a review so I can get this podcast out into the world so more people can feel supported on their mental health journeys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. For complimentary anxiety management tools, you can head over to my website, carinocounseling.com. Thank you so much for listening and go enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.